You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Hello and welcome back to Soft Idolatry. We are back at you after a brief hiatus, just a couple of weeks while I was out traveling. And we're here with uh, Season 2, Episode 10 today. Yeah, welcome back, Carissa. What uh, what have you been up to? <laughs> just doing a little, little globe trotting, doing a little bouncing around. Five countries, two and a half weeks. <laughs> Okay, yeah, as as we'll, one does. Uh, yeah, as one one does, um, or in, in in this case, as Enneagram Seven does. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> part of my my mo. Uh, what what was happening back here? Are you, are you feeling the the Lent vibes? Yes, definitely feeling the Lenten vibes. Uh, we are in the midst of uh, our clergy association does an annual. Lenten lunch and prayer service um, where we rotate among various Christian houses of worship within the clergy association and we preach in each other's pulpits and it's a lot of fun so we are two weeks into that Um, this year my worship commission decided that they wanted to do uh, light suppers of bread and soup and worship and uh, informal worship services so we had our first one last Wednesday, and that got good remarks, uh, good reviews from people. So that will continue throughout Lent, and of course, all of the regular, uh, all of the regular meeting fun to which pe- pastors everywhere are accustomed. Meeting fun. Those are two words I don't generally put together with each other. Uh, We're actually doing something similar to our ministerium is doing Sunday evening potlucks and prayer services. And there are four churches. um, My well, five, if you count mine as two churches, four, if you count mine as one church, but then also a United Methodist congregation, a Lutheran congregation and an AME Zion congregation. So it's a nice nice group of um group of ecumenical partners doing those those services which is nice i see and and for the record meeting fun was coined by the presbytery committee on irony ah yes we would have a committee for that wouldn't we (laughs) (laughs) i really (laughs) i i genuinely hope that that's the committee i wind up on for general assembly this year the committee on irony that would be my dream committee assignment uh so um so you're doing pulpit swaps with them we're doing doing that as well i actually preached twice uh uh-huh. the my first sunday back from from traveling uh what's your what's your sermon title for this sunday though my sermon title is belonging and othering belonging and othering uh, mine is thirsty no i'm good i have a drink thank you no no my my sermon title you're very funny. My sermon title is Thirsty, because uh, the well, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Yeah, there it is. Well, we'll mm-hmm. get to that, though. We'll get to so, that. So what's what's going on in the world? Well, I came back to a lot of people very concerned that I may have uh, picked up coronavirus in my <laughs> travels. I happened to be in Tijuana when our 
current uh, administration said, oh, we need to close off the border between the United States and Mexico because of coronavirus. And we all said, crap, we're in Tijuana. <laughs> That's not a place you want to get quarantined. Uh, but then shortly after, they, they uh, backed down on that and said, oh, wait, actually, Mexico has far less coronavirus than the United States, and maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> so yeah. we got to come home. But uh, there's there's a lot of panic. Yeah, no, I, and and I think a lot of the, the there there is some grounding for this. It's not completely uh, just knee jerk. Like you know, six years ago, I went to South Africa and Lesotho, and that was in July, and then like two months later, three months later. The Ebola virus broke out in West Africa, you know, 3,000 miles away (laughs) from South Africa. Yeah. (laughs) And people were like, when were you in Africa? Uh, Long before the incubation period. And also, I was nowhere near there. So, yes, people do um, just go completely off the rails. But... Certainly, this novel coronavirus, this COVID-19, seems to spread very rapidly. And so mm-hmm. I think our fears are not entirely unfounded. No, no, there's this balancing act that we need to do between um, appropriate fear and preparation and not just panicking the end is near zombie apocalypse uh, I haven't referenced zombies in a podcast for a while. So ah, there you back. go. Uh, <laughs> There's one we can but, che- check off the list. That's right. We can check it off the list that we do not keep. Um, yeah, and we work with vulnerable populations too. You know, when you look at who the people who are the most at risk, it's older folks, it's people that have underlying health conditions, and that's a large portion of most mainline church attendance. So... Um, we're certainly putting together plans for how to handle it if it begins to look like it's it's here in Pittsburgh. And it, does your church? Are you guys talking about that over there? We we have talked about it a little uh, for the last couple of Sundays when we have passed the peace. It has been a voluntary. If you feel comfortable shaking hands, go ahead. But if you do not feel comfortable, just you know offer some prayer hands and maybe a cute little bow and uh that's the way we have handled it i do think that we will probably change it a little this sunday that maybe we will ask people to stay where they are and just verbally pass the peace to those around them that's what we did um this this past week the first week i was back and we're going to stick with that for now, just verbally passing the peace with one another. And then at the door, um, my student pastor and I offered, uh, the, you know, the Vulcan live long and prosper to people and mm-hmm. or uh, a bow and curtsy. Mm-hmm. So uh, instead of the, the handshakes, we said, we love you. Neither of us has this, but we also don't want to share anything with you. It's just a bad time of year to shake hands. Right, right. And I have a baptism this Sunday, so I think it will be uh, even better not to offer hands. Yeah. Now the question is, are you baptizing the baby in water or Purell? <laughs> I do not <laughs> think that Purell is scripturally supported. Is this an well, ordination exam question? 
<laughs> it could be. Hey, ordination board, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> put that on the exams. Yeah. Um, yeah, not a great time to have. And what, people are really hung up on shaking hands, too. They really like to shake hands. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's kind of weird, actually. I'm not a toucher. I'm not a handshaker, hugger. Yes, and that's why feely. it's weird to you. Yeah, shaking hands, I can, like... I'm fine leaving it, but whatever. Um, yeah, we're kind of we we may cancel some midweek activities if things heat up as they in the next week or two as they get the testing kits out and start to find out how much is actually going around. We may cancel some of our midweek things, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll probably yeah, hold off on Sunday worship unless it's mandatory. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, possibly having a presbytery committee meeting. Uh, this Thursday changed to a um, changed to uh, you know an electronic meeting. We haven't made that decision yeah. yet, but we have one member who had had some heart surgery a couple of years ago, so I think he he falls into that immunocompromised yeah. group, and um, there are others who are concerned. So I think that that might end up being the the big change this time around yep working with an abundance of caution and uh not an abundance of doom and gloom (laughs) i think is the balance yeah correct yeah so what else is going on with you yeah well i was just about to say that was a really fun uh fun welcome back into the states after this trip we uh I, i counted it was uh three time zones if you count the stop in denver briefly in the airport there three time zones five countries i think seven hotel rooms nine customs desks because some places you have to stop at a customs desk to leave a country before you stop at the next one to enter the next country Mm -hmm. uh six airplanes and i don't know how many miles of, of bus rides but we started our trip in in san salvador the capital of el salvador um we went from there to guatemala and then honduras and then up to um to los angeles for an extension trip at the southern border my husband actually met us out there for that that southern border portion of the trip Um, but our um our topic that we were studying was uh, push and pull factors for migration from Central America and Mexico into the United States. And at the southern border, also talking about our response as Christians to what is a a refugee crisis at our southern border. And in a nutshell, in a nutshell, yeah. So all that in two and a half weeks. I would yeah. imagine you're still processing the experience. Yeah, the reentry shock has been dramatic from this trip. There's always a, at least some amount of reentry shock when you come home from a, a trip abroad. Uh, and, you know, you, you come home from the UK or, you know, Ireland and Scotland and you, you start driving and you're like, oh, it's weird. We're on the right side of the road again. You know, you get a little bit of it. Um, Israel and Palestine trip that I went on, I felt like uh, that one didn't feel as bleak, as weird as it sounds to say that, because everyone knows that the Middle East is a mess and has been for centuries. And um, 
it's not right next door to us in the way that our southern neighbors are. Um, and then last year, the reentry shock from Africa took a while because we were there for so long, but we were also studying uh, forgiveness and reconciliation, which is just a huge theme in Rwanda, and then visiting with with old friends in Uganda. So this this has been angry reentry shock. Sure, sure. And you know, as bad as things were in Rwanda during the genocide, you have people actively working for healing, or at least the people that you were relating with, that you were uh, talking to over there, were people actively involved in the healing process. And that has to be considerably more hopeful than dealing with people who are actively suffering. Right, right. And there there are a lot of groups that are working for justice and human rights down there to, you know, to help improve conditions. But there's only so much you can do to improve those conditions when the entire Western world is making an awful lot of money and gaining an awful lot of power by not doing anything about the conditions there. Um, so... Um, that's just, that's really difficult. And I also think that it, it connects to the passage, though, that we're going to be reading Definitely. Uh, this week. Definitely. Yeah. The, I, the ideas of, of um, uh, uh, cr- not criminalizing, that's not quite the word I want to use, but um, blaming someone for their own suffering. Right? Yes. Well, shall we dive into the text? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. And we're going to read it in a slightly different way than we normally do this week. Our reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. This is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well? And with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. 
Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. Who is called Christ? When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want? Or, Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to them, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. But you do not say, Four months more than comes the harvest. I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and Jesus stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to God. be to God. Okay. Well, well, well. Yes, indeed. So... That, that's one of those, we get some long passages from the Gospels during Lent. We do. And what I am doing in my congregation is I am presenting them as reader's theater. So I will read the narrator part for this, but I will have congregation members acting out the other parts. And because of the time, I am not even reading the Hebrew scripture lesson. Yeah, I've done that before with gospel passages, too, when they get this long. And it can also help bring a little bit of life to a passage mm -hmm. that 
many people at least know the basics of the story or think that they know the basics of the story. Correct. Uh, it, it adds life, it adds humor, and, you know, I'm I'm doing cheesy props and costumes, so, you know... Of course you are. <laughs> of course I are. Uh, you know, the, Jesus wears a sign saying Jesus, and the Samaritan woman wears a sign saying Samaritan woman. And so it, it just, it helps the... For a text this long, it helps the congregation to know who is speaking in the different parts. And as an added bonus, we have a baptism on Sunday. So I will have, you know, a sign that says Joseph's Well right under the baptismal font. Nice. I like that imagery. Mm-hmm. I really like that imagery. Yeah, it, it, it was it was cheesy synergy all the way around. <laughs> oh, synergy. What a terrible word. Um, it just makes me think of like... Early 2000s like, corporate speak. Yeah, yeah. There's like a, some poster out there. Um, so this, this poor woman... <laughs> Um, When people talk about her having the the five husbands, I think traditionally this has often been read that she really got around. Right. And that's probably not an accurate reading. Yeah, it's not an accurate cultural reading. If we were to drop this into today's time and place, yeah, if there's someone who's been married five times and is on their, you know, fifth or sixth uh, spouse or partner, you there may be a problem with there that. There may be some issues somewhere. Per, there may be something that needs to be discussed in, in therapy. But um, culturally speaking, this woman would have had no say-so over whether those marriages ended or not. If we want to speculate on things that are not in the text, what's more likely is perhaps that the woman is childless and cannot have children and she has been divorced because she hasn't borne children for her various husbands. But all of that is speculation. Right. It's possible that perhaps at some point she was widowed once or twice in those. Um, also very possible, yes. Yeah. Either way, this is someone who has very little social capital and no say-so really in her living situation. None. And if if she had... If she had been an active participant in an adulterous relationship it's entirely possible that somebody would have just stoned her to death so i think adulteress is the least likely interpretation of things that are outside of the text right and jesus does have encounters in other places um with situations that are specifically situations stated of as adultery. being adulterous yeah. Right. And so one could also assume that the gospel writer would name that if that had been one of her transgressions. Yeah. Um, and also, Jesus does not forgive her sins no. in this. He offers her living water and hope, but doesn't call out a sin. No. And part of that is that uh, sin is not, in the gospel of John in particular, sin is not a collection of bad actions sin is a category of relationship and so mm-hmm. the she ends her, her sinfulness ends when she 
voluntarily goes into that relationship with Jesus. Uh, she is reconciled and the sin is gone. Right. Right. So what do we, what do we do with this passage then? Um, as we're looking at, um, the world around us, how do we connect this? Well, for me, um, because we have baptism, I'm going to talk about how that is a sign for us of belonging. Uh, I also just went through a training on implicit bias, and mm. uh, so so they talked about the process of othering. You know, we turn people into others so that that changes our relationship with them, and that baptism is sort of the ultimate repudiation of othering. Baptism says you belong, you are loved, you are part of the community. So that is where I am going with the sermon on Sunday. I like that. I think that's a great direction to be going with that. Um, I think I'm going to be focusing more on on not blaming the victim so to speak in these mm-hmm. kind of situations so not not putting all the blame for someone's social position on them we're we're really quick to say that oh you know central america is a mess because they just don't know how to make democracy work and they just need to you know modernize and be more like us try but harder problems, yeah work, work work in your own country to make it better yeah. Meanwhile, uh, my experience down there was meeting people who were working their asses off to make With things a better no place. With almost no resources. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, we need to be careful when we start blaming other people. And instead of our solution being telling people how to fix themselves, perhaps <laughs> our solution might be figuring out how to help someone find their the resources that they need or to stop taking those resources from them. Correct. You know, Jesus doesn't immediately um, come to her and say, here's what I have to offer. He asks her first, what does she have to offer? Right. He asks her for a drink first and we uh, maybe this is coming from I'm writing a missional theology paper right now but um, he he doesn't come in telling her what she needs to change he comes in asking what she has to offer and we need to change our uh, mindset when we're interacting with others especially in what we would consider to be a missional situation or an evangelistic situation we need to be able to say, um, hey, what do you have to offer? How can we be friends? Exactly, because that's really at the heart of loving neighbor. Um, that's at the heart of loving neighbor as yourself, and that is at the heart of practicing humility. Uh, when we tell someone else how to do something, how to live their life, if they have not invited us to tell them that, then we are not practicing humility. We are not practicing love. We are practicing a lesser form of judgment, and we are going in there with everything but humility. Yeah. 
Um, there's there's a lot in this text, isn't there? It's a lot of yes. places we could go. A lot of places we could go. Um, oh, the places you'll go. Oh, the places you'll go. Yeah. And I, especially in a presidential election year, when mm-hmm. everybody's mad at everybody and blaming everyone mm-hmm. for their own problems, we're really kind of bad at this, right? We so. are kind of bad at this. Yeah. So maybe we need to tie this up and leave it there because we are certainly not going to fix everyone else in this podcast. Well, I haven't even managed to fix you yet, and that's just one person, so. <laughs> Physician, heal thyself. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to wrap things up for this week. And uh, yeah, good to be back, but still trying to sort all this out. And um, you come back to a text like the woman at the well. <laughs> hmm. So. Yes. Shall I pray us out? Yes, please do. God of grace and mercy, in these troubled times, we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit out upon us. Equip us with a spirit of wisdom and mercy. Equip us with eyes to see all of the brokenness in the world and to step into that brokenness with a spirit of humility. Give us humble hearts open hearts, open eyes, open ears, open arms, as we seek to embrace the world that you so loved. Guide us in doing your work rather than offering our own judgment. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, may God, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body. May God encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Soft Idolatry. We are back on our Monday release schedule, so we'll be back here for um, a couple more. I don't see any more uh, gaps in our schedule for a while. Um, but you can always, were you just about to say something? I was about to say not until Easter. And then I would imagine that we're both taking a little time off. I did assign, uh, the day, the Sunday after Easter to my student intern, reminded her that it is, uh, associate pastor Sunday. (laughs) It's, um, it's confirmation Sunday for us. So I don't think I'll be preaching. So Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll catch you all next week. Uh, hey, Alan. Yes, Carissa. You know how much I love dad jokes and telling dad jokes, right? I had completely forgotten. <laughs> the blessing of the break, yeah. But the problem is I'm not a dad. I'm a mom. Does, uh-huh. that, make me, does that make me a faux pas? I really wish the eye rolls showed up in the recording. <laughs> to, to, be, to be accurate, I tried to hide behind the microphone so she couldn't even see my eyes. 
<laughs> it was a big eye roll. I saw it. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. All right. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> see you next week. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check us out at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd really like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Thanks.